Welcome into Hardcore Penn State football. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Going to talk special teams, going to talk transfer portal and new recruit. So we'll talk about the new recruit and how he fits into the program as well. Uh, trivia question for you today. When was the last time that more than two, so three or more Penn State and Indy Lions were taken in the first round of the NFL draft? And who were they? A little hint, last year there was only two, Micah Parsons and Jason Owe, a.k.a. Odafe Owe. So uh, we'll get to those questions and Sean in just one second. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. This is Corey Lestoki. With me is Sean Kane. Sean, how are you doing? We are recording on a new time today, Saturday morning. Um, hopefully you're up and ready to rock and roll. Yeah, doing awesome. That was the most unenthusiastic Saturday morning. Yeah, I'm doing awesome, by the way. I am not a morning person, Corey. <laughs> and this was my idea because obviously I have some things going on tomorrow. But you are on the East Coast, so you actually have an hour more so i mean it's not if it's not even that early for you so i I don't feel too bad for you i don't blame you i wouldn't feel bad for me either um <laughs> but yeah it i'll i'll be able to pull through though i know it i sure hope so well let's answer the trivia question first we didn't do a trivia question last week and the previous week i snuck it in at the end of the episode because i forgot um and the question was and sean if you can take a guess you can when was the last time that more then two Nittany Lions were taken in the first round of the NFL draft. Um, what year and who were they? And to give everybody an extra hint, <clears throat> there was not one, not two, not three, but four players taken in the year that I'm thinking of. And if you have any guesses, this would be the time, Sean. I have a guess. Go for it. I'm going to say 2000. It was after the 2002 season, so I think 2003. And I'm going to go Larry Johnson. Yes. Bryant Johnson. Yes. Jimmy Kennedy. Yes. Uh, and Michael Haynes. That's very good. Now, Sean, I didn't, and for everyone listening at home, and congratulations, you just nailed that. Thank you, thank you. I didn't tell Sean the trivia question until right now. Like, this is the first time here, so he didn't have no time to look it up prepare or anything that was a hundred percent knowledge right there that's what i do man do you um want to take a guess at the order they were drafted um that's that's hard uh i'll say i know larry johnson was drafted i think he's last drafted in the late 20s so i'll say he was last yeah that's correct he was 27th 
I'll go Bryant Johnson first, Michael Haynes second, Kennedy third, Johnson fourth. But that's total guess. Yeah, and that, that was unfortunately incorrect. Um, Bryant Johnson was actually third. <clears throat> he was taken 17th to the Cardinals. And then you had, well, let's just go number one, and he was taken 12th overall was Jimmy Kennedy. And obviously he went to the Rams. And then Michael Haynes went 14th. So they went 12th, 14th, and 17th. Um, and Michael Haynes went to the Bears. The Bears. Um, so you they had the 12th, 14th, 17th, and 27th picks in the 2003 draft. Not too shabby. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Yeah, I, I remember that draft. And um, I remember thinking, wow, that's a lot of that's a lot of people being drafted even as a little kid and I haven't seen it like that since. And it's the last time we've had multiple first rounders, right? Well, no, so that's why I professed the question by saying more than two, because obviously technically last year Odafe Owe and Micah Parsons got and I, I when I was thinking of the question this morning, I was I thought the same thing. I was like When's the last time we had two, you know more than one? But you know, I always sneaks in there at the end of the end of the round, and I kind of forgot about him. So I did the exact same thing. Obviously, nothing really compares to the 2000 year when Penn State went one and two with Arrington or Brown and Arrington, I should say. Um, and then I mean, I, it made me kind of go back and kind of look because I was interested. And in '96, they had two guys drafted, both offensive linemen. Um, and Johnson and Hardings. And then obviously the really good year was 95 because you had this guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of Kajana Carter or Kerry Collins before. Yeah, I think they did some good things here. But they they went both top five, and then Kyle Brady not too far later at nine, which I don't know if tight ends were taken more back then early, but I feel like taking uh, your ninth pick for a tight end is pretty high. I don't know how high we've seen. When did Kyle Pitts go this last year? He went He went high. He went in the top five. Um, but Kyle Pitts was, and the way the Falcons use him, they split him out wide all the time. Yeah. He's basically another wide receiver for them. Uh, Kyle Brady in the top ten, it was interesting call from the Jets. I mean, that, I mean and, and Kyle Brady, yeah, fantastic tight end. But, I mean, let's be honest here. Kyle Brady... Not saying he's not a great athlete, but Kyle Pitts is one of the best athletes of all time. And just to say, you know, it's just almost kind of funny thinking about where Pitts and Brady, whatever. So I thought that was interesting. I didn't realize that he went that high in the 95 draft. So hope you guys got that right. If not, um, you suck. I don't know. Um, let's start off the day. I like starting off the day with the positive good news. And that is a new commit, Sean. Uh, would you want to do the honors? Yeah. Uh, Marcus Stokes, a uh, four-star quarterback from Florida, committed to Penn State yesterday. Um, he was on a visit. He said that he is 107% committed. and Got to totally, love that. Yep, and totally shutting down his recruitment. So that's, that's obviously a positive. Um, he comes from the same high school as Tim Tebow. So if... So obviously he's Tim Tebow 2.0 coming to Penn State. So you're saying we're going to win a national championship with him is what you're saying. That's right. No doubt. Two of them. 
Well, it is kind of funny because now you have uh, potentially Tim Tebow 2.0 with Phil Trotwine, which we talked about last week, played with Tim Tebow. So coming full circle here, Sean. That's right. Uh, the Florida team, um, like I said, 2.0. So very exciting. Um, this is a guy that Mike Yersich, um, he was Penn State was the first Power 5 school to offer him. Uh, very similar to what happened with Drew Aller last year. They were both sort of late bloomers. Um, and <clears throat> they've been, <clears throat> excuse me, he's been blowing up since, um, since his, uh, since February. Um, I am a little concerned that the big Florida schools haven't offered yet and what's going to happen when they offer. But he did say he's shutting down his recruit, he, his, uh, the recruit, the recruiting process totally. So maybe he doesn't even take any more visits or, you know, these schools could extend offers, but. He just kind of says, well, thanks, but no thanks. I'm staying at Penn State. So that's the hope, and I'm I'm excited to see what he could do. Right, and let's give a lot of credit to Mike Yursich. I mean, since he's been here, he has done the one thing that Penn State had failed to do under Franklin's tenure, really, and that's bring in top recruits at the quarterback position. Now he's you know only technically the 17th right now. He's just shy of the top 300. Um, but for everything I've read and seen, especially this summer, he has a potential to really start climbing up those boards, especially um, it's kind of funny how when once the big schools start paying attention, how these guys start creeping up the boards as well. Um, I would expect him to continue to climb, and I, I'm not saying he's going to be a five-star or anything, but when it's all said and done, but I expect him to continue to climb a little bit, probably get inside that top 300 by the time he officially signs wherever he signs um i like this commit for a lot of reasons i think it's important and honestly i thought it was insane that this early on they're able to get another quarterback obviously they got bo perula and Aller last cycle so it wasn't going to be easy to get a quarterback especially um, a quarterback as prestigious as stokes and from the state of florida like you mentioned um penn state's also early a lot of the times on these quarterbacks. And I don't know if that's the strategy saying, Hey, like we're not going to beat out Clemson. We're not going to beat out, you know, I guess USC now because Lincoln Riley's there. Uh, we're not going to beat out Alabama, et cetera, for these already number, you know, number one, number two guys that are five-star guys. But if we can, you know, find, you know, the, not necessarily a diamond in the rough, not necessarily a, you know, a, a gem, but something, you know, Something that's there, but maybe not as obvious as how good they could be. Um, I, I think they're they're finding their little their little crevice of recruiting, and it's it's hopefully going to pay off for them, especially if uh, Stokes, Aller, Prabula can can uh, kind of take that next step. Yeah, and uh, I totally agree. I think it shows that Mike Yersich and, and James Franklin have keen eyes for talent because they get in on these uh, highly recruited quarterbacks very early. Um, Justin Fields at one point was a Penn State commit and it was a similar deal, you know, before the big schools started coming and offering, um, he, he, he had that Penn State offer originally and that's the one he committed to and he backed out, but it shows that, uh, the coaching staff has a, has an eye for talent. And I know your situation was maligned last year. Um, for not figuring, you know, couldn't get the offense going in Big Ten play. But he has been lights out on the recruiting trail. 
Yeah, he's. I mean, when you look at this 2023 class right now. I'm not saying it's all Yursich, but heavily, heavily offensively focused right now. Uh, you got a pair of offensive linemen, a pair of tight ends, and, and a quarterback. Um, and that's. I mean, you, we can maybe flip the switch and say, hey, when are they going to start nailing down some defensive guys? Um, which you know, obviously, New Avery is New Avery situation. We already kind of talked about that, but they are kind of. You know, falling a little bit behind defensively, but offensively, as we say, positive here is is looking really good. And and yeah, I don't know what's going to happen when these Florida schools do come in. Um, I think there is something about being one of the first persons to offer a kid. I really think a lot of the times that means something to to, to kids. And um, and this was the second. I think he came up in January as well, right? So this is the second time he'd come up to uh, to to Penn State in the last couple months. You don't make that unofficial visit um, two times in four months unless you're you're serious about it. I mean, that's just that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, and it definitely means a lot to get that to be the first. Um, like Ohio State offered Aller uh, in the fall, but Penn State had already offered him in uh, January or February. It was the same type of deal as Stokes. And a lot of times you're going to stick with that first school <clears throat> that thought high enough of you to offer you when teams just weren't that in, weren't that into you. Um, and as far as the defensive side of the ball goes, um, a lot, I, I think a lot, or maybe all of our big targets are still out there. So the defensive guys seem to be taking their time a little bit more. Um, but I still think Penn State's in a really good position with guys like Tony Rojas and uh, Tamir Robinson. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Rojas especially is kind of te- definitely taking his time a little bit more. Um, you know, I I do find it interesting too, though. Well, first of all, I have to just throw this in here. But Pitt offered Stokes. Stokes didn't even visit Pitt. Um, on top of that, he did take an official visit to Miami. He did take an official unofficial visit to uh, Florida and Florida State, as well as Ole Miss. So at the end here, he did at least go and check a couple of the Florida schools out, and that does make me feel a little bit better. I'm not sure, you know, they didn't offer him, but I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if that at least made him feel better about committing to Penn State because once he did those visits in late March, early April, um, once he came up to Penn State and, boom, committed, I feel like that might have been his final, like, you know what, I've looked – and I'm I'm feeling good. I'm I'm feeling fine. I'm ready to do this thing. So and also, kind of interesting. He 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 went and unofficially visited Cincinnati too. And Cincinnati's in the ball in in the uh, conversation for a couple other players that Penn State's trying to go after in this cycle. Um, and typically, you would say Penn State needs to win that matchup more times than not. But Cincinnati can now start to. You know, pitch these kids. Hey, we made it to the playoff. Hey, we made it to the playoff. And so I'm just curious how that battle continues to kind of because if we want to, like, let's say we don't take all Penn State doesn't take all the the players from Ohio that they want because of Ohio State. And let's say Michigan gets in there and they take a couple players too. That's okay. But if you're starting to have to get in huge scrums with Cincinnati for the leftovers in Ohio, that's where things could be tricky. So I think the winning matchups over Cincinnati in the 2023 class and, and even a 2024 class is going to be something to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, I think as long as Luke Fickle is there, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with on the field. And that's going to translate over to the um, to the recruiting battle. 
uh, two recruiting battles. Um, and I agree, like those, like Ohio State might not even offer because they, they have such a luxury, the top 10 guys in Ohio. Like the, the, they'll offer like the top guys, but like the ninth or 10th guy, they may not offer. And you might have a kid from Cincinnati that says, well, I want to be able to have dinner at my house every, uh, well, uh, three times a night, three times a week. Um, and that's when you have a school that's going to go to the playoffs. Um, a kid, maybe this might be the last time they're in the playoffs, but they might go to a New Year's Six Bowl almost every year. They could get you into the NFL like Sauce Gardner uh, this past year. Yeah, they might just opt to stay close to home. And I'm sure with NIL, local businesses in Cincinnati, they might be chipping in to make sure that they could keep some of these guys uh, at home or close to home. Yeah, and, and also, you know, we, we talk about this name, image, and likeness a lot. We don't know what Penn State's doing in that department as far as improving things. Um, am curious to see a quarterback, or I guess a little bit surprised to see a quarterback go – to a school, and especially a guy like Stokes who shut down his recruitment, says, I'm done, done. And when you commit to Penn State, they don't want you to visit any other schools. That's kind of how they they want things to be. That's one of the reasons why Neo Avery decommitted. Um, right, that's exactly why. Why a quarterback especially, and maybe he's just like Drew Aller, because Drew Aller didn't really give a rat's ass about name, image, and likeness right off the bat. He's like, I want to go to the right school. I want to you know figure everything out, which is great. But not a lot of people are going to be like that moving forward. And I, I don't know if Stokes is kind of just in that same kind of um, mindset. But as a quarterback, in this day and age of recruiting, if you're a four-star or better, you probably can get some sort of sweetened deal if you hang out. And if he continues to blossom in this summer, he does all the summer camps, people continue to offer him. Let's say he gets into the top ten quarterback discussion of the class I mean, there's a lot of money potentially out there for Stokes, and um, and he, and Penn State's locked it down without necessarily being the best name and image and likeness team out there. Uh-huh. It's and it's the whole package, I think. Um, t- players, at least at this point in time, I don't know what this is going to be like in ten years. I just don't. But at this point in time, they want to commit to the right place. Because if you just go and you chase the NIL money, um, a lot of times it's short-sighted. And you're chasing the money, but if you're not happy every sing- if you're not happy at school and you don't fit in, you, you, you know, or you don't vibe socially, or they don't have what you want to um, what you want as a major, but you just say, Oh, um, or you don't click with the coaches, but you just say, oh, um, well, this school, I have a 500, you know, a $50,000 offer from this one from a business in that, in this community, or, but I only have a $20,000 one from a business in this other community, but I really like school. I like the school better in the one that I'm getting a $20,000 offer from. You should probably go to the school that you're going to be happiest with because it's and it. I know it's easy for me to say um, I was never in that position. But if you're going to be miserable, man, it's college could be really, really tough. Um, 
if you're not happy at the at the place you're at, especially when you're playing uh, Division One football. Yeah, and I think that goes for for everybody, right? I mean, it's it is not an easy transition for a lot of people that aren't playing sports. So um, now there's a lot more to do with that. Well, let's talk transfer portal. Um, you had a little bit of news on that front. Um, Penn State, I mean, it was reiterated today, by, or I guess today, but this week by James Franklin saying, hey, we want to get a defensive end. We Not necessarily a guy that you know is going to stuff the run, but they're looking for a guy to rush the passer, and they're looking for somebody, and they just haven't found that perfect fit yet. It's one of those things where it could happen tomorrow. It could happen in a month uh, once spring ball is finished, but they are 100% looking for another pass rusher, um, I think maybe they would fall for another linebacker if, it, if the shoe fit properly. Uh, it seems like things have cooled off offensively as far as trying to get another receiver or anything like that, which makes me feel like they feel better about that position. Um, but defensive end linebacker still seems to be a place where they, they're definitely still looking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a big, uh, big, big weekend for them. Uh, they have, um, they have from Maryland, uh, Demian Robinson coming up. Uh, they had him up this weekend, and uh, he was a highly sought-after recruit. And um, he ended up committing to Maryland two years ago. And he, I believe he would have sophomore eligibility and was a midseason All-American for, for Maryland. Um, at the defensive end spot. And like you said, defensive end, that's one of the positions that we really need to uh, at least get some depth at. Right, yeah. And, I mean, how big would that be, taking a guy from Maryland like that who, you know, Penn State wanted originally, right? So, I mean, that that would be a huge get. Yeah, he was um, a top 100 guy in the country. Uh, I believe he was the number f- five or six edge rusher uh, on 24-7 sports. So... And there's no love lost between Mike Loxley and James Franklin. So if James Franklin could go and um, get uh, get this guy to um, state college, I mean, that would be a huge coup. Yeah, and, and again, it just goes back to, I mean, he said good things this week about Adisa Isaac, or, or maybe it was, it was actually a defensive coordinator, Manny Diaz. But they felt, you know, Adisa Isaac is going to be ready to rock and roll uh, come the fall, and 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 feel good about what he can you know do on the field for them, but it almost seems like they don't feel great about everyone else as far as rushing the passer goes, or they just think that's one spot they can obviously improve on. So yeah, yeah it's interesting to have, watch. Yeah, you never have enough edge rushers, and you're replacing a guy this year, and Ebikati, who um, who's going to go in the first or second round in all likelihood. So that those guys, those guys don't grow on trees and you have to find a way to uh, reload at, at, um, uh, with guys that could come off the edge for you. Right. Well, any other transfer portal, portal conversations that you want to talk about before we talk special teams? Uh, no, I think that's, that's the one to watch right now. And, um, hopefully we'll be giving you some, uh, good news on Robinson uh, maybe next week. Yeah, well, you know, as soon as we finish this and this gets put up there, I might put it up Sunday morning or, or whatever the case may be, you know something's going to end up happening probably um, 
right right on maybe Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon or something like that. We'll, we'll probably get word. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's usually how it works. <laughs> I do right. think he wants to visit USC. So keep an eye on that. Well, that would be that. See, that thing to me is that that's a completely different world for him. So that'd be interesting to see kind of how that that ends up, because that, that's a whole different kind of conversation when you're going from Maryland to to Pennsylvania is one thing. Maryland to L.A. is 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 a lot different. Whole different world. <laughs> All right. Well, let's um, you know, before we talk special teams, let's talk draft just a little bit more. Then we'll get back to special teams and finish it with special teams. Um, I don't want to go necessarily crazy with it, but I just thought I would highlight the athletics. Um, the beast kind of draft guide came out, and I thought it was interesting. I wanted to just highlight a few, kind of get your idea where people might be following here. Um, I'm just currently looking at, at special teams because I was curious um, since we're talking special teams first. And uh, Jordan Stout right now is rated as the second best punter. And behind that, Matt Arazia guy from San Diego State. And they currently have Stout as a fifth-round grade, which I don't know the last time Penn State had a fifth-round grade for a special teamer, but – that was much better than whatever Blake Gillikin was graded at. And obviously Blake Gillikin went undrafted. So I guess somebody might end up drafting Stout. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, he just, the ball just leaves his foot. Like it's, and it's unbelievable. Uh, we've never had a guy who could kick like him ever, at, at least in my 20 plus years of watching Penn state football. So it five is the fifth round. That's high, so it does kind of surprise me a little bit. But it it doesn't surprise me at all that he's talked about being drafted as a punter. Right. Well, I would also like to say we talking about a couple other guys here, and uh, they have Dodson as the sixth best sixth best wide receiver, and they have him going, or I don't know if they have him going, but they have him as a twenty fifth best prospect, <clears throat> and then they have AK as the sixth best edge rusher. And they have him 28th overall as the best prospect. Uh, Jaquan Brisker as a fifth best safety. And they have him at the 42nd best prospect. And is there anybody else in the top 100? I don't think so. So those are the top 100. I'm going to dive through here as we talk about those. Um, I don't know. I still think Dotson, they, they still have Burks from Arkansas over Dotson. And they probably know more than me. But I still think he goes before him. But that's just that's just that's just me. And then obviously I think Brisker, I, Kuiper had Brisker around four or five too. I still think Brisker, just because of his ability to play all the positions, might get might get drafted a little bit higher than people are kind of putting him at. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I would just be so surprised. And maybe this is my Penn State bias coming out. If there are five, if there are four or five better safeties in this draft than Jaquan Brisker. Like, he is just a gamer, man. Like, he is a guy that you watch, and he just screams, like, oh, I'm going to be an NFL player for 10-plus years. Yeah, and I don't think people realized that he had a shoulder issue the almost the entire season. So everything he was doing, and, and he was still a tackling force, which is just, I know if I had a shoulder issue, I would not be tackling as much um, as that either. I, I found Tariq Castro-Fields, by the way. He was... They have him as a 17th best corner, um, and they have him as a fourth-round grade, which I think is probably about right because I could see him go I, – I, 
I would be impressed if he went in the third round. I'd be pretty surprised. But I'd also be shocked if he fell past the sixth or was in the sixth. I agree. Yeah, four, three is a little high, and I think the sixth round is a little low. Like if you have, if you're a team that wants to take a flyer out on a guy and he happens to be there in the sixth round, take Trey Castro Fields because he is definitely. I think you'd be. Um, that would be considered a bit a bit of a steal. I mean, it's hard to say you got a steal in the sixth round. Um for a guy that should have been a fourth rounder, but that's some really, really good value there. Okay, so now here's some clarification for you on the linebackers, because I think Castro Fields is an interesting one, but I also think the linebackers are, are interesting ones as well. And um, this one made more sense. We talked last week about how I think uh, Kuiper had Brandon Smith like as a fourth best outside linebacker. He also had AK as a linebacker, which... I like the way the athletic does it. They break it down by edge and linebacker. So they have Brandon Smith and Ellis Brooks as linebackers. And I think linebackers is a tough position to see where people go because obviously you you know if you want an inside guy, it's gonna be different than an outside guy. The athletic puts them all together. So like I don't necessarily agree with that aspect of it, but still it, it's nice to see Smith at the linebacker spot, and so, and, or I guess AK at the edge spot and, and Smith at the linebacker spot. I think that makes a little bit more sense, more sense as far as how you compare them. Um, this has Brandon Smith as the 18th best linebacker getting taken in the fifth or sixth round, and I think that makes more sense. I think we're both kind of on a similar page for that compared to whatever Mel Kuyper saw. Yeah, and again, I think this – I think every time we talk about Brandon Smith, the one word that always gets brought up is polarizing. A lot of guys like him. A lot of guys, not so much. So it's, he's, he's such a, it's such a weird thing that it wouldn't shock me if he got taken in the second or third round or the fifth or sixth round. Like he is that polarizing. I, and he's another guy. If he's there in the fifth or sixth round, definitely take him. Like this is a guy who's very, very athletic. Um, but would I take him in the second round or maybe even the third round? I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know if that film is worth a second round grade. Yeah, and just just to give you an idea here. Um, his entire stats for 2019, 2020, and 2021. 132 tackles, 14 TFLs, two sacks, one forced fumble, seven pass deflections, and one interception. I couldn't even tell you when. Do you remember when the interception happened? No, I remember him dropping the interception against Auburn, but I don't remember the interception that he had. I I don't, I don't either. Was it tipped? I think it was a tipped interception at some point, if I didn't guess. Um, so those are his numbers. Like I said, 132 tackles, 14 TFLs. They have Ellis Brooks, which this is a little surprising to me because I thought he did pretty well as, on, as far as what I thought he was going to do measurable-wise. They don't. They have Ellis Brooks as a potential free agent. I could which, see it. Um, and the only knock on Ellis Brooks that I could possibly have, because I think Ellis Brooks is a very – I think he was a very underrated linebacker at Penn State, is he's just not that athletic. He kind of has um, – now, he's not as small as Mike Hall, but it's kind of a Mike Hall feel to it where you just wonder if he's athletic enough to make it at the next level. Um, but I really like the guy. He's tough. He 
plays really hard, and he's a, he's a very sure tackler. So wouldn't shock me to see him on. It wouldn't. Sh- it still wouldn't shock me to see him on a roster because just being able to tackle and have some leadership capability that goes a long way in, in the league, and being able to stick on a roster even as a special teams guy. Okay, so he had in his career. 229 tackles, 12 TFLs, 5 sacks, 2 forced fumbles, 3 pass deflections, and 1 interception. But just last season alone, he had 100 tackles, um, and I believe he led the team. 1 tackle for loss, 1 sack, and 1 pass deflection. So the numbers are better. This is also what they say in bold here. Overall, Brooks is smart, competitive, and he had made a strong push to be drafted based on his 2021 tape. But his average size, speed, and strength will be tough to overcome in the NFL. And, and it, the, I shouldn't say just free agent. They, they write him as a priority free agent, which means he will most likely be taken to camp almost right away. He's one of those guys that well, as soon as the draft ends, he signs somewhere. Absolutely, yeah. They're not going to let him linger too long out there. Um, he's going to be the first call that a lot of teams make if he's still available um, after the draft. I will say this about – so their overall thing on Brandon Smith said, overall Smith is a long-framed, toolsy athlete with NFL starting potential. But the tape shows an uneven, unrefined player who has to improve his processing and finishing skills before he can earn a significant role at the next level. His best long-term position might be as an edge rusher. How many times have we said that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. he's always. I mean, that's what I, I mean. He is a downhill. Put him on the outside and let him go get the quarterback. You can refine his pass, his pass rushing skills. He could be a James Harrison like player for you then that might be too nice. But he can do those kind of things for you. I don't see him playing in space very often. Yeah, I mean, every time you'd see him in space, I I don't want to say you almost knew he wasn't going to make the tackle, but you didn't feel that confident about it. Um, But if you could get him, like you said, playing downhill, let him show off that athleticism, and just run straight to the quarterback. Yeah, because he's a strong he's a strong kid. He's fast, um, and he seems to a lot of times. I think it comes off on the screen that, and a lot of t- I, I'll put it this way: when a guy is athletic and he's really good in the weight room and he's fast, a lot of times there could be a knock on him that he quote unquote doesn't love football if it doesn't if it doesn't translate on the film. He never came off that way to me. He always came off as a guy that loves to hit, that loves to be physical, um, and that wants to be, you know, and that really wants to succeed at Penn State and at the next level. Um, so if he could just refine things and be coached up I think he has. I think he has a good chance to be a very productive player at the next level. Yeah, I sure hope so. And I think what you're saying is is, is right. I think there's potential there. We will just have to kind of wait and see um, what happens with it. Uh, I don't think I have anything else to add. I will say this, guys. Um, a lot of that came from the athletic um, subscriber based, and I highly, highly recommend it. If even if you just the draft guide alone is f- phenomenal. There's paragraphs about every single player in the draft um, highly recommend you subscribe to the athletic Audrey Snyder's personally one of my favorite uh, PSU beat writers 
Um, I pretty much listen to, or read everything she has to say. So highly recommend that. Highly recommend you uh, you subscribe there. I and it's not just Penn State. Obviously, they have a lot of other sports too. So like there's Steelers content, there's Eagles content, there's Sixers content. It's all on there. Um, this is they, they don't pay me for saying that, but it is really it is really nice. And I agree with you. I think Audrey Snyder's the best beat writer. Right. So there you go. So, and, and it's not even that much money. I think it might be 60 bucks a, a year. And I'm, I think they have deals going on all the time. So, all right, well, let's um, move on from that and let's talk special teams. We, we talked last week about how um, two of the specialists have the same number moving forward. So that will be something painful to figure out. I can't believe that's honestly allowed. Still, it still baffles me. Um, but they talk special teams a little bit uh, this past week, talking with the coaches, and a lot of the media time, unfortunately, you could maybe say, has been of the open practice has been for special teams. So they've seen some some field goal kicking, and I don't want to say it's going to be an issue for Penn State in twenty twenty two, but at least what we've seen so far, Jake Pinniger struggling. And again, this is a small sample size, but it looks like Jake Pinnegar is still struggling a little bit, missing a couple of field goals. Yeah, I've read that too. Um, and they, he's got to be careful because we just uh, signed the number one kicker in the country two years ago. I want to bring something up, Corey, that just came across. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, who used to, who, grad, who played at Ohio State, uh, died in a car accident this morning. It just came across, uh, Adam Schefter reported it. So I just wanted to mention that. Holy crap. Yeah. He was only 24 years old. So that's terrible. So condolences to um, Ohio State, Dwayne Haskins, and that's awful, awful news. That, wow. I mean, he, I mean, we, we were just watching him play in Beaver Stadium like three years I ago. I know. I know that's what I just thought when I I thought about the 2018 game. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they they haven't said anything else besides just that. Yeah, that's all Schefter reported was um, he got hit by a car in South Florida. That's awful. So he wasn't even in a car. He just got hit by a car. Yeah, he 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 got hit by a car. Life's short, and it shows that these athletes, they're people like you and me. And you might watch them every Saturday or Sunday, but they're people and they live real lives, and life happens to them too. And that's terrible, terrible news. I don't really like how Scheffner included trying to make it on a football team with that that tweet, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't like that either. I mean, okay. Whatever. That's awful. And yeah, condolences out to to his family. I mean, that's just, I mean, he's the same age as me. So, well, we're going to try to move on from that. Yeah, that, that's awful. And like I said, I mean, he played at Penn, he played in Beaver Stadium. And so that kind of. He's a great court, college quarterback. Yeah, he set all sorts of records for Ohio State. And, yeah. Um, I mean, he beat out Joe Burrow, basically. So He did. Yeah. Yeah, that shows you how good he was in college. He was awesome <laughs> so yeah totally condolences and um yeah we'll try to continue with our show because we have a lot of stuff planned to talk about but 
shows you that life happens. Yeah. Well, let's um, yeah, let's talk special teams. And now, I mean, like I said, Jake Pinnaker not necessarily blowing the doors off um, the competition like we maybe have hoped. I mean, he had been there for a long time now, and used an extra year of eligibility. And really, since he came onto the scene in his what second year, technically, um, he's he's struggled. It was it was his true freshman. Year. I don't know if he redshirted the first year or not. Believe he he's been here a long time. Very long time. Yeah, I think he started in 2018. Okay, and he had a good first year. Now he wouldn't he wasn't asked to kick very far in those first you know in that first year, and, and even when you know Stout handled most of the, the deep shots even later on, but Pinnegar even still struggled with the shorter ones, and that doesn't bode well for a team. I mean, if you look at how many games Penn State loses by just a couple points. Field goal kicking is something you really want to feel confident going into the going into the summer. Yeah, um, if kicking is one of those things that when you have one, you almost if you have a good kicker, it almost gets not forgotten about uh, because I think you should always appreciate that luxury to have a good kicker, but it, you could kind of take it for granted a little bit. Um, but if you don't have a kicker or you have a kicker that's really inconsistent, man, you feel it right away. Um, I know when Stout missed the field goal last year against Wisconsin, I, I wanted to tear my hair out <laughs> when he missed that chip shot. I believe he missed an extra point, too. Am, am I crazy there? Yeah, no, I, I think he definitely, yeah, I think he did. That sounds right. Yeah, and I love Jordan Stout. Um, kicking, uh, place kicking, I, I honestly won't miss too much with him. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, Pinnaker's whole problem, his whole career has really been consistency. So if he could get that consistency down, um, I think you could see um, you could you could see him have a good year. Uh, it, I could see it also being a situation where Sahadak maybe kicks the longer field goals, kind of like they did with Jordan Stout um, through the early part of Penninger's career. Um, so look out for that um, because he has that big leg, and I think you'll be seeing Sahadak uh, do the kickoffs as well. Yeah, I think Sahadak for sure will be the, the kickoff specialist. I was looking up – so this is Penninger's – um, season by season percentage here. Freshman year, sixty six point six percent, which was in twenty eighteen, like you said. His sophomore year was when he was fantastic, ninety one point seven percent, and then twenty twenty sixty nine point two percent. So that's that. Those are the numbers there. Yeah, that and, and unfortunately, I wouldn't say seventy percent's the end of the world if you're if you're trying to kick forty five plus field goals all the time. But he's really not doing that. Yeah, he wasn't asked to do that. So I, you kind of want if you're kicking, you know, sub forty five field goals, you kind of need to be closer to I would say eighty five, ninety percent. Is that? And I know Pennsylvania doesn't have the best weather, and the Big Ten doesn't have the best weather, and you're in tough venues. But I think you would want to be closer to eighty five percent or so. Yeah, yeah, you want to in the 80s uh ideally um but 
yeah, if you're not asked to kick long field goals and you're still struggling to get up to that, that's a concern. And again, it's a lot like quarterback. I think a healthy competition at kicker is health. I I think that's good. Um, But at the same time, you don't want to be playing uh, musical quarter uh, musical kickers and just be shuffling one in and shuffling one out if they're struggling because kickers are very, very famous for getting in their own head. Um, it's a lot like putting and golf. Uh, the Masters is weekend, by the way. Um, if you're in your head and you have the yips a little bit, you're not going to perform well. So when you pick a kicker, you kind of have to say, all right, this is the guy. And if you're going to pull the kicker, you almost have to lay down the gauntlet, at least for the season, and say, this other guy is the guy because you don't, you just, you just don't want to see them get in their own head because that's not good for anybody either. Right. And I mean, if we're going to put money on it right now, I think Sadak's going to be the kicker. I just, I do. I just think unless they really don't think, unless they feel good about everything else where you wouldn't want, if, if you want to just use Sadak for kickoff specials and he doesn't have the, the ability to do both, kind of like Stout, they were worried Stout was going to not be able to do both originally. Then I kind of see it, and if they're close, but also you know, Stacy Collins is new, and he might not want to do things the same way Lorig did things. And he, you know, who knows what he's seen so far? But he's kind of coming in with a, you know, a new set of eyes on this whole competition. So it doesn't matter that Pinnaker, yeah, it doesn't matter that Pinnaker has been there for five years. I mean. Whoever can put the ball between the uprights more often and, and can help out the most too because let's just say the offense doesn't get the running game going and they stall a bunch inside you know the 40-ish in the, what I like to call the maroon zone, you're going to have to be able to nail some longer field goals and be consistent with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Every coach is going to say, uh, James Franklin's big with this, um, he's, they're going to say, oh, there's a competition at every position. But a lot of times, if you're a special teams coach and you've been seeing Jake Pinniger for four or five years at this point, a lot of times you're almost in- instinctively going to go and maybe even look at him as like a security blanket. Like, okay, the devil that I know is better than the devil I don't. And I'm going to go with Penninger because Penninger was my guy. I know what he could do. I know what he can't do. Uh, but Sahadak is, is just unpredictable, and you don't know what you're going to get. Now, you bring in Stacey Collins, who doesn't, know, who doesn't know these kickers from Adam, and he's just going to evaluate exactly what he sees from the time he got there. So I think, that's gonna, I think that could actually be a little bit beneficial. And I like Joe Lorg. I thought he did a decent – I thought he did a, a good job when he was here. Um, but I do think fresh eyes on the kicker, uh, if the coach is a good coach and I think Collins is, I think that could only be beneficial. I agree. Well, let's talk punters. Pachetta, the, the, the new scholarship, Alex Pachetta, he doesn't come till the summer, so he's not there yet. And that kind of makes you wonder exactly how much of a competition is really going to go on until, until the summer, um, Barney Amore is most likely I would he was brought in last in 2020. I would probably say that he would he is probably penciled in as a starter right now to punt. And and if Pachetta comes in and is just fantastic, 
then maybe that changes. But that that would probably be my guess. Yeah, I think right now he's probably the front runner. Uh, like you said, I don't know what's going to happen when Bichette comes in here. I'm, if I remember correctly, when Blake Gillikin got here, I think he came in the summer too, and the competition was basically declared over in camp. Like, oh yeah, Gillikin's the, Gillikin's the punter. Um, at the time, the punters were a little bit different than we. Um, it was a rough year. For, it was a rough few. It was a rough stretch for our punters before Blake Gillikin got here. Uh, but I'm sure uh, Amore is going to get every chance he could to uh, be to be the guy. Uh, I also wonder if Sahada could punt. I'm sure he can. I don't. But again, it comes back to if you they have might not another put that on him. Right? right. If you have a, especially when you have a scholarship punter coming in, like right. I'm sure if he had to, in the worst case, you know, it, he would. But I really think you're going to try to limit how much you make Sahadak do. I mean, if we're already talking about Pinnaker kicking some shorter field goals for him, I just don't I don't see that being a thing, especially since you have a more. Um, and, and like I said, you have Pachetta coming in, and uh, you also have uh, Nuusu there as well if you need him. So you have punting guys there. I'd be very surprised if that happened. I'm sure he can do it, and if he has the leg, I think it might, you know, it might be entertaining. If Pinnaker wins the kicking job outright, maybe you entertain that a little bit more. I'd be surprised how many guys they have. I mean, they have a bunch of guys to kick a ball around. Yeah, there's a lot of guys on scholarship. I think next year we'll have, at the start of the year, we'll have... Uh, three guys. Three guys, yeah. And I don't think, and those are the specialists, I don't think Chris Stoll is on scholarship, but he's been there a while. Um, but, yeah, three specialists as um, scholarship guys. And the, there's, a, there's a couple schools of thought on that. Um, some schools only take walk-ons as specialists. Um, I think Bama does that. Uh, Penn State used to do that in the Paterno days. And I understand their way of thinking in that, well, why would I give a scholarship to specialists when I could use those scholarships in other places? And that's true, but man, you could lose, you could lose a game or two a year just on special teams alone, maybe even more, if your guy can't kick a field goal. I mean, that came back to bite Bama. I mean, that that came back to bite Bama multiple times. So, I mean, that's I'm surprised by that too. And and the punting thing. I mean, just think of the uh, – I just go back to that Iowa game. Like, if Jordan Stout didn't punt the way he punted in that game and Iowa's offense wasn't 100% inept and our defense wasn't as good as it was, that game could have got out of hand really fast. But there was – and not just the Iowa game, but there was a lot of times where Jordan Stout had incredible punts that he was punting from basically right at the goal line, and he was, you know, putting them at their own 40, their own 35, their own 30, like – that makes a huge difference, and that's something that maybe they kind of leaned on a little bit too much last year, and they're going to have to, A, move the ball better for a lot of different reasons, but also, B, play better defense because the defense was good last year, but one of the things, they did give up a lot of yards. I mean, they were great inside the 20, but they did give up a lot of yards last year, and that's you know going to be highlighted this year if they don't have the, the punting and the special teams play that they did last year. Yeah, and punter's another position, uh, just just like the kicker, 
if you have a good one, it's almost easy to take it for granted. And we've been lucky the last few years. We had Gillikin and then we had Stout. And those are two guys that are going to be punting on Sundays. Um, but man, before Gillikin, um, from the O'Brien years, the early Franklin years, it was a rough stretch with punting. And punt the punters could put us in a lot of bad spots. And if you have a punter that's going to shank kicks and he's only getting 20 yards on a punt sometimes or 15. Man, that, that, that's like throwing an interception. You might as well have just went for it on fourth down then. Yeah, I agree. And, and when Blake Killigan got there and he started punting, you could hear the ball coming off his foot different than anyone else I'd seen in a long time. And that, that was the same with Stout. And Sahadak apparently has that same kind of um, – oomph to it so that that makes me feel better uh, obviously we'll see what Pachetta can do once he gets there let's talk kick returners punt returners because we kind of harped on this I don't know maybe it was like two weeks ago talking about how we want Stacey Collins to let people return kicks against everybody not you know m- more importantly against the top competition last year we weren't returning kicks and I don't know if that's because they just didn't think they were gonna have the ability to stop you know to break one or whatever the case may be I I'm and I think you're the same way I I want every single kick return returned just because. Yeah, I mean, we have these athletes here now. Um, so why not just... I, I Well, the answer to why not is the analytics. Um, but if, if you say that, oh, well, you have a 3% better chance of this... of, um, of better field position if you just take a fair catch every time or kneel down the end zone every time. Well, I mean, okay, but what about the chance that you could return this for a touchdown and you don't have to put your offense in a position to have to drive 80 yards? I mean, or 75 yards. Is it 20 or 20? I I always get the NFL and college confused. Whatever, 80 or 75 yards. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that the benefits could outweigh the risks um and we have all these athletes we have a guy like uh that like think about Devin Ford um he was known to be a good kick returner coming out of high school and he's a guy that has had a decent career with Penn State um but if you could make him a kick returner and give him the ability to go and take take the kicks out well, that's a huge role that he'd have if he could return a few a few of these for, uh, for touchdowns, or have or even bring them back to the 45, 50 yard line. Sometimes that makes him a very effective weapon, and it makes him happier if he's not getting the types of carries that he that he thinks he should get um, at the running back position. It gives him a chance to prove a little bit too, and I think that's that's also important. And I like that point about hey. If we're not, you know, are we more worried about trying to drive 75 yards on Ohio State's defense than giving them a chance to to break one? I think I would rather have somebody. I think they have a better chance against some of the backups against Ohio State on the kickoff. I'm sure they play some starters, but I'd rather give them roll those dice instead of making Sean Clifford and that offensive line have to go up against Ohio State's front seven for 75 yards every single time. So anything you can do to give them a, just a chance. And, and, yeah, sure, you might get tackled at the 15 every once in a while. But 
is it really is Sean Clifford really going to drive that many times at the you know from his own twenty five to, to beat Ohio State? Probably not. So I I like that point. Um, I think also it's a recruiting tool, and you have we just, we talked about Saunders coming in. We talked about a running back, maybe Katron Allen getting a chance. You know, maybe De- it's still Devin Ford. Who knows? Omari Evans, wide receiver. Um, I heard Daquan Hardy might have an opportunity at punt returner. Um, so you have a lot of different opportunities with a lot of different guys there. And I think it's a good opportunity to tell recruits, hey, you can return the ball. We're using that. And, and I, at least when I was in high school, special teams, and it's a little bit different because you want some of the starters to play, but special teams is also an opportunity to get some other guys in that were enthusiastic and ready to play, but also kind of got them to game speed. And I don't know why that isn't the perfect opportunity to get some of the younger guys in and give them a chance to have the ball in their hands and do something with it. So um, I, I like that. And I think we have enough athletes now where you don't have to have your starters returning kicks. I know you trust them a little bit more, and I wouldn't be surprised if Devin Ford gets more opportunities. Um, but it's your opportunity to let some guy who is super enthusiastic and eager to make a play, and yeah, he might make a couple mistakes, um, but let him go. And a kick returner more than punt returner. Punt returner, it's a little bit more of a, a veteran kind of game as far as do I catch it, do I let it go, do I fair catch it, you know, and, and being a little bit more strategic. But kick returner, you know, let the let him fly, let him go. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, punt returning, catching a punt. I don't know if you've ever done it. It's hard to just catch it because it goes. You have to be able to run it down. You have them coming right at you. Uh, we're catching a kick. It's a lot easier, and like you said, you could just kind of let it fly. Uh, let let your guy let let your guy fly a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think getting a young guy in, uh, whether it's um, a Caden Saunders, um, who's, you know, receivers, we've talked about receivers a couple times now, that's a stacked room. But a good way to get Caden Saunders on the field is through kick returning. I mean, look at look at KJ Hamler. Uh, the, the App State game, his first big play was returning a kick. And it was kind of the reason they Penn State won the game that day. Now I think, I think today, they probably would have let him return too, because we just needed to we needed to pick up yards at that point. Um, but it goes to show you that you could really make a name for yourself starting on kick return or or potentially punt return. I like that. Yeah, I mean that's exactly true and. And it's just one more thing for people to be worried about. Instead of conforming to what Ohio State's doing, like make Ohio State do something different. Like if if they're worried about your punt returner, your kick returner, that that makes them plan for it. But if you're not going to return them, then they're not going to be worried about them either. So I, I, I think that's one opportunity that they haven't taken full advantage of, and I'm really curious. Watch Stacey Collins come out and we don't return any kicks or something like that. <laughs> just lose our minds. <laughs> But yeah, so I, we'll we'll wait and see. But I think we have so much talent; it'd be a, it'd be a wasted opportunity not to. So, um, we kind of started this off with a new commit, and we talked a little bit about the NFL draft. We talked about our special teamers and and kind of the philosophy there. Any final thoughts, Sean? No, no, I don't think so. I think we covered a lot today. 
Yeah, I think so too. We'll have to figure out what we want to do next week. The so the draft is getting closer. I think we've done a pretty good job as far as covering the NFL draft and the combine and stuff, et cetera, for Penn State guys. And it's what two? We got three weeks basically, two and a half weeks away. Two um, weeks so, from the blue white game. Right. So you know all that's kind of coming up. You'll be you'll be there for the blue and white. Correct. I believe so. I think I'm taking my girlfriend to Penn State for the first time, so that's that's exciting. It's a good week to do it too. It's a always oh, it's a solid. That's blue and white weekend is one of the best weekends, especially if you have, if you have a nice day. Um, I will be sitting at home watching it. Oh, I did want to say, and this is pro- you're not going to be able to. I'm sure they'll replay it throughout the week. Um, but Purdue it does have their spring game today in approximately 30 minutes for us. Um, so if you wanted to catch a little bit of Purdue and start, you know, scouting. Their uh their team, I don't know as far as coaches and whatnot. I haven't looked at them at all. I don't know if they have anything new going on over there. I I want to say they have, a, maybe a new defensive coordinator, but I'm don't hold me to that. Um, but if you if you wanted to look a little bit at that and kind of where they're gonna be, then uh check them out. I'm sure it's probably on the Big Ten Network. So, um, yeah, Purdue. I don't know how many days away it is, but. Still about four, what, five months away? Yep. Just a little yeah. bit. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, if you want to, I'm sure James Franklin will be watching. So if you want to join him in watching that. You think he is? I, I want, I'm i sure somebody is. I think he probably watches it at some point. But I don't know. That would be a good question to ask. My guess is that somebody breaks down their film. But he doesn't Yeah, somebody's watch it. watching. <laughs> I just don't see him. And oh, and they had their what? They had their first scrimmage. Penn State did. They had their first scrimmage last night, and I was not open to the media. But so maybe we'll get, maybe the coaches get a little bit more clarity on a couple things from last night. So we'll have that to look forward to for next week. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always, it's always interesting to see how guys play when the lights come on, even in just a scrimmage in the spring, like how these, um, uh first year guys translate to uh, playing against college kids when they should be, when realistically they should be uh, in high school. Right. The early enrollees coming in still Singleton and Catron Allen still getting a lot of love. So we'll have to wait and kind of see uh, how much love. The only other things I think I thought of was uh, Manny Diaz kind of, I don't, I don't want to say he kind of gave the, the edge to Tyler Elson. Um, as far as starting in the middle, but he kind of made it seem like he was a little bit ahead of King, just a smidgen, and King was still trying to, as, as far as the the, the pre-snap reads and the, and the communication stuff, it seemed like King was just a smidgen behind, and, and he did mention Abdul Carter playing at middle linebacker once he gets there as well, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, that communication, um, that's key uh, to make sure you have that, and, and young guys, a lot of times, take it takes time to get up to speed on that, whether especially if you're playing um, one of those positions in the middle of the field, whether it's safety or middle linebacker. So Felsen is ahead of him on that, then he probably has the edge at least right now. Right. And, and he did say that that position battle was going to go into the summer. So uh, no, don't look for any quick answers there, but I thought that was at least a little bit interesting. Um, but that's about it. So, uh, if Sean, if you don't have anything else, we will wrap this sucker up. Yeah, I think I think we're good, Corey. All right. Well, for Sean Kane, I'm Corey Lestoki. You are listening to Hardcore Penn State Football. Make sure to share it with a friend. 
just you know copy send it wherever you're listening if it's on spotify or apple send it to a friend uh we will continue to try to drop these every week we are on a little bit of a roll here so um we will catch you guys next time hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your weekend and a fantastic week as well bye-bye thank you